Hello and welcome back to Meraki Unboxed. My name is Simon Thompson, host of the show. And uh, today we've got a very special episode because for the very first time, we're actually bringing in an external customer to talk to us about their reality, their world. Uh, so rather than hearing from um, us at Meraki HQ itself, apart from me, of course, uh, we will be hearing from a customer. So the real thing, uh, and I'm very excited about that episode. I'm putting this together. Uh, we do Meraki Unboxed every two weeks or so. And so if you're subscribed, you will know that already. If you're not already, then please do go ahead and subscribe. Uh, by the time this recording goes out, you will also be finding us on uh, YouTube as well. Uh, so it'll be very easy to find us. We're on Spotify. We're on all of your favorite podcasting apps. You just search for Meraki Unboxed. Uh, and you should be able to find it nice and easily. And these episodes are really put together to try to just give you an insight into life at Meraki, uh, the technology, uh, the people who work here, but also some of our customers who are actually making use of this technology. And that's what I'm super excited to get into today. So without further ado, let me introduce CR. CR, how are you doing today? I'm good. How are you, Simon? I am doing great. It's Monday morning here in the Bay Area. We have a lot of smoke flying around, but otherwise... It's totally fine, uh, and I don't think we're going to have any concern here. I'm, I'm in a sort of hermetically sealed audio room. I feel very safe from the outside world. Very good. Very good, indeed. So, CR, tell us uh, who you work for. Yeah, so uh, I work for Reading School District. Okay, and so um, Reading is where in the United States? Uh, so we are on the East Coast. Uh, we're about 60 miles west of Philly, uh, sort of like uh, northwest of Philly. Right, so um, Philadelphia, that's on the East Coast, isn't it? And um, that's where the, that's where, what is it called? The cheesesteak sandwich. Uh, yes, the cheesesteak, very popular over here. Is that, is that a big thing in, uh, in your part of the world as well? Uh, it is, yeah. Uh, we actually have a unique twist. We put sauce on ours uh, where Reading is located, which uh, is a bit of a point of contention with some people. Uh, you know, <laughs> not popular with some people, but uh, for myself, I'm, I'm all about the sauce. I love how people get passionate about these little nuances and differences between <laughs> Absolutely. Diff different towns, different parts of the world. Um, okay, so Reading School District. Give us a sense of uh, the the sort of layout of Reading itself, how big that that sort of part of the world is, and and sort of the school district itself. Sure. Uh, so Reading geographically is not a, a huge city. Uh, it's pretty dense. Uh, we're actually close to New York City levels of density uh, in Whoa. most of the city. Okay. So. Uh, you know, but we are a large urban district. Uh, we're the fourth largest district in Pennsylvania. Uh, so we serve about uh, 18,000 students and another 2,000 staff. So, you know, I, I deal with essentially 20,000 users. Uh, wow. And that's across uh, today. That's across 25 sites. So, you know, it's a lot of people, uh, a lot of sites, uh, which, of course, means we have a lot of a network equipment. Uh, so, you know, we're very happy uh, Meraki full stack customer. So that means we have things like 1500 access points, uh, 1500 cameras, wow. uh, you know, a couple hundred uh, switches everywhere and then uh, thousands of devices for the users. Yeah, I'm sure. I was about to ask that. I'm sure that uh, in, in a uh, an education setting, this is K-12, right? I'm assuming Correct. this is K-12. Yeah. And, and uh, so we probably have more than one device per person, I'm assuming, in that kind of environment. Yeah. So, you know, from the student perspective, uh, it's typically one to one per class. 
So that means in a lot of buildings, we actually have more devices than the students because mm -hmm. uh, they, they don't take them with them. Uh, but then, you know, from the teacher perspective, you know, we're directly handing every staff member and teacher one device. But of course, they all have their own personal devices and we generally allow uh, staff to bring their devices onto our network. So that can very easily be, you know, three or four devices uh, per person. So it's, mm. it's quite a lot. Yeah, that is a lot. And, and to manage all of that, how many are on your team? How many IT folks are there there? Yeah, so my direct team is actually very small. Uh, it's just myself and one other admin, and we are responsible for uh, all of the all of the networking systems uh, and the rest of the department. I believe today we are at ten people total. So, mm -hmm. so definitely small, uh, but uh, you know we manage. But the networking team itself is is very small considering the number yes. of devices you're talking about there. That is right. Okay, and so um, how do you spend most of your time in that environment? What's it like uh, day to day? So, you know, I primarily focus on on what's next, you know, what what's the next big project? What's our next device replacement? How are we going to handle, you know, the next uh, wireless rollout? Uh, but, you know, I also spend uh, plenty of time managing the network, uh, you know, on sort of a day to day basis, uh, mm -hmm. dealing with escalations, you know, from from my counterpart, from other people in the department uh, and just dealing with, you know, any questions that aren't getting answered elsewhere. Right. And I'm sure I'm sure there's plenty of those like you have some sure, kind yeah. of a ticketing system how do you manage all that stuff we do yeah so we have a, an internal ticketing system that we uh, we certainly encourage everyone to use not everyone loves it but uh, it's the you know the best way to make sure everyone uh, gets helped as quickly as possible so uh dealing with a lot of that and uh you know certainly if uh if the text keep clicking the escalate button uh, eventually it ends up in my queue nice okay so you have uh been using meraki for for how long now uh, so we started our first rollout in 2015. Uh, so it's it's been uh, quite okay. a number of years now. All right. So um, th this this is a deployment. Well, you already mentioned the uh, the devices that you have. So there are quite a lot of those already in place. And um, and so which generation are you on right now? What are you using on the uh, on the Wi-Fi side? Uh, so our, our initial deployment was uh, MR32s and 34s back in 2015 uh, at our high school, which is uh, our largest building it has uh, four miles of hallways. Uh, so quite a quite a large number <laughs> they, of those. Do they give you segways and things like that for getting around? <laughs> How does that work? I, I wish. I keep telling my boss we need uh, the IT segway with flashing lights for network emergencies. Yeah. That would seem like uh, just reasonable. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Uh, so, so that's what we started out on, uh, and then uh, we've we switched to the MR42 as our standard classroom deployment uh, AP, mm -hmm. and then MR52s usually multiple of them uh, in our our high use areas. So yeah, we're sort of you know two generations in, and uh, and then I was lucky enough to be part of the field trial for the Wi-Fi six APs, the MR55. Oh, awesome! Nice. So. Uh, I have one of those on my desk and a couple scattered around the office for trials. And uh, that'll certainly be what we uh, move to next for you, wireless. Do you have any devices uh, that are able to make use of that yet? I, they're, just, they're starting uh, to come out now, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. Just one, uh, my iPhone. Uh, so, you know, glad to see Apple took the plunge with that this year. But yeah. uh, it's definitely definitely still early days of Wi-Fi 6. But, uh, you know, that's I hope uh, I hope everyone else joins Apple and moves quickly in that direction. Yeah, I, I'm sure that over the next year or so, especially because I think the um, uh, 5G that that's going to take a little bit longer. That's a massive deployment challenge for, yeah, uh, for cell phones. So in the meantime, we can make use of this uh, high high performance Wi-Fi stuff. Um, yeah. So, so this is obviously a very uh, busy networking environment, to say the very least. Um, 
and you know what I didn't do at the beginning, which I really should have done, was ask you for your own background a little bit and sort of how you got into this, because I'm really interested to see how your experiences have evolved with the with the technology over time. So let's let's kind of switch back a gear and go back to um, to your own sort of background. Sure. Uh, yeah. So I uh, I actually started working at Reading uh, right out of college. I graduated in 2014. Uh, so you know, in college, uh, in all of my networking classes, it was certainly very traditional CLI based, using the uh, you know older style Cisco IOS based switches, which is I think mm-hmm. you know what today everyone still learns on. Yep. Uh, so very familiar with CLI, and uh, certainly spent uh, the first you know first year or two at, uh, at Reading working uh, in that environment uh, as we you know, started to transition to uh, cloud-managed uh, you know, networking. And, mm-hmm. and I think even when you go back, even just five or six years, the, the idea of cloud-managed networking, uh, you know, even just the cloud in general, was really foreign to a lot of people. Yes, so I definitely. think we were, we were pretty early on the, the cloud train uh, with our wireless deployment. And, uh, you know, we certainly, we've been happy with it. So, uh, you know, we've very quickly moved uh, in that direction. Yeah, I, I definitely remember having these conversations frequently uh, going back sort of five, six years around the idea of using the cloud as part of your network infrastructure, essentially, was still a pretty new thing and uncomfortable for a lot of people. Uh, but I think it's definitely now we're at the stage where pretty much everybody is using some form of cloud-based service. And we're all obviously, therefore, a lot more comfortable with it at this point. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So how would you say, I mean, you, you, so you've had the experience on both sides, you've experienced traditional networking gear and and uh, the pros and cons, I guess, of, of both approaches. Um, how do you see Meraki and the cloud-managed infrastructure uh, having changed the way that you, you function? How's your life changed as a result of that? Sure. Yeah, I think in the past, uh, you know, when we had a very, very traditional deployment, you know, I'm thinking about things like controller-based wireless, uh, no centralized management, those types of things. Uh, it definitely took a lot more time to troubleshoot and and to just do day-to-day maintenance on the network. You know, in the past, I probably was doing something like 50-50 time-wise maintaining uh, versus looking forward, which I, you know, I try to focus on more today. Mm -hmm. So now it's, you know, I spend uh, a lot more time looking forward, looking at those next projects. And uh, that's, that's a lot easier today based on the, the, the full Meraki stack, the unified management across the line, uh, so that's that's certainly been a big change for us, and it's really a time saver, which, given the size of our department, is uh, really important for us. Yeah, and let's, and let's bring that to life a little bit. So if we think about the things which which suck up time with traditional networking solutions, what would what would first come to mind for you there? Yeah, I think the. The hardest thing, I think, was just gathering data, uh, whether that was data on how is the network being used to plan upgrades or to gather data to, to troubleshoot things. Those those were really big time commitments, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and something I, I think of in particular that is something we do relatively often uh, is we will enable public Wi-Fi across the district on days when students are off and the schools are open for professional development. You know, given our size, we have tons of external people coming in on those days and it's just not reasonable to manage guest accounts for them. So, you know, in the past, this meant I was making changes on 20 something wireless controllers. You know, I had to go through each one, do the same steps. And, uh, you know, one or two of them probably wouldn't get done correctly. I'd miss one of those checkboxes. But you know, today to do that exact same change, 
I'm making, you know, one setting change in dashboard. I go to one page, switch one dropdown, and hit save, and it's done. You know, all 1500 APs get the configuration, and boom, we have, you know, public Wi-Fi that's totally managed by the APs, uh, you know, across our buildings, uh, and that's just huge. And uh, that's that's a huge time saver. Uh, that alone. And uh, the same thing goes for troubleshooting. Uh, I often say that my favorite feature of Meraki products, you know, whether it's MR, MS, whatever it is, is the built-in packet capture. That's just crazy awesome, super simple. You don't mm. have to go anywhere. You don't have to set up port mirroring. It's just done in dashboard. You click a button and there you go. Yeah, that was always one of my favorites as well because I remember doing it the hard way, setting up, setting up port mirroring and having to be physically present with the switch, right. like actually in the yeah. comms room to, right. to be Standing able to capture all that, right, all that noise and and freezing cold <laughs> and all the rest of it. That's not, right. Not good. So so a lot of pros. Um, uh, do you feel like you've sacrificed had to sacrifice anything with uh, with this shift? No way. Not not at all. Uh, you know, I think when I look back even to 2015, when we started our first wireless deployment, you know, we were already gaining features then uh, over what we could do at the time. And and then when I look at what we have today, uh, so things like wireless health, huge troubleshooting feature for MR. Uh, you know, that was that was an update last year. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, I should say earlier this year that it was free. You know, we didn't pay for it. Uh, it wasn't an extra cost to get that. It just appeared in dashboard. And there we go. So I uh, I'm very happily not in a CLI all the time. Uh, and instead, I'm in dashboard all the time, which is a great change. Right. So graphical user interface all the way. Yeah. <laughs> And how often do you find that you are needing to go into the dashboard? I mean, it's it is a tool which, uh, I guess, uh, rewards frequent visits in terms of being able to keep on top of trends and that sort of thing. But but in reality, I know that everybody's super busy, and so I guess if we've done our job right, then hopefully you don't need to visit it too often. I mean, what's the reality for you? Sure. You know, honestly, it's something that uh, I usually have a tab open all the time just for quick access. But but you're right. You know, it's not something that I have to be in all the time monitoring things. Mm -hmm. If something goes wrong, you know, I'll get an email or a message about it, right. uh, you know, right. automated from from dashboard. So, uh, you know, I typically keep it open just so I can check things quickly. Uh, but uh you know, it's, it's it's such a time saver to do that, especially because of the number of products we have in it today. Mm -hmm. And I guess the number of applications as well. I mean, what what do uh, students and teachers typically use the network for in uh, Reading School District in your experience? <laughs> you know, maybe the better question is what don't they use the network right. for at this point? <laughs> uh, because, you know, everything is network-based today, even from, you know, students walking into the classroom and the teacher needs to take attendance. That's all network based. You know, mm -hmm. they're getting on their laptop, connected to a Meraki AP that has to go back to a server in one of my data centers. You know, if they're printing materials for students, again, you know, all network based, touching right. servers, touching switches. Um, and then, you know, the students are uh, primarily working on Chromebooks now, uh, you know, doing things in the okay. classroom. Uh, you know, collaborating with others, watching plenty of YouTube videos. We do a ton of traffic to YouTube. And uh, so, yeah, it's, you know, what what isn't on the network at this point? Right. And actually, that's an interesting point I'm, I'm curious about, um, because I think there's a lot of a trend happening generally to, if you like, offload um, application servers from a local data center to cloud based services of some kind. Where Absolutely. are you? Where do you see yourself on that journey? What do you do? What's your mix? Yeah, uh, we are well on the way. Uh, you know, I think I think we realized uh, in the past couple of years that you know who who better to run a, you know a full blown data center and application than someone like Microsoft with Office three sixty five or these you know huge education co companies that are offering services to you know hundreds of school districts. 
we, you know, they're better at that than us and they can deal with it. You know, so we focus instead on let's provide uh, reliable internet and reliable wireless and reliable devices to the users. And then they can access those applications that someone else is dealing with. And that's a great message. I like the way you worded that because it, it's reminding me as you were talking about uh, the way that we like to promote Meraki. I, obviously, I'm part of the marketing organization here, so I love trying to get uh, people excited and hyped up about stuff. And we make a very big deal about simplicity. We're always talking about that. And the reason we do it, the reason we talk about simplicity is because we want to try to get out of your way as much as possible mm -hmm. so that you can get on with the stuff that you're actually there uh, to do or, or, you know, more challenging, if you like, more more so higher level activities than simply keeping a network running. Um, how well do you think we do? I mean, I, I'm guessing the answer is positive. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> but, but you know, what's what's the reality in your experience? Yeah, I, I you know, it certainly has been positive. You know, the, the reason we are are so keen to keep going down the Meraki path is because, you know, it worked so well in the beginning for wireless mm -hmm. and that, you know, that's we've talked about some of the ways that simplified, uh, you know, my life in managing that. And I think that's been the same for all the products. So I think simplicity is at the core of what Meraki does. And I think I have certainly realized, uh, you know, in, in over the years of being a network engineer is that uh, this networking stuff doesn't have to be so hard. Right. Uh, you know, years ago, someone told me that the weeds are never far away in networking. You might think you understand something and a minute later, you have no idea. Right. And uh, I think uh, I think Meraki does uh, an excellent job at, at truly simplifying those things, but not taking the functionality away. So things like, you know, OSPF, which is, you know, just sort of this magical protocol that lets network engineers move packets around way easier than we did in the past mm -hmm. is something that you know traditionally takes a lot of command line input in a lot of different contexts on a switch you know you're doing things yep. like global level on a vlan interfaces all that and uh with meraki you know on the ms line it's one page in dashboard and it's all right there so you know we get uh, we get all the full features that we need to manage the network but uh way simpler than it was in the past that's a fantastic example you picked out there, OSPF. I remember going through fairly lengthy multi-day training on this yeah. kind of uh, networking protocol. The, uh, OSPF goes pretty deep. And, you know, I think from our perspective, as we design these products and the interfaces, we're thinking about, you know, how much does a, a, a sort of new network engineer, somebody who's perhaps, uh, you know, not, not got the time to go through all this extensive training, you know, what do they really need in order to benefit from this protocol uh, and, and so for sure, there's always that opportunity to lift the lid and go and do deep troubleshooting. And I know a lot of network engineers love to do that. Uh, but there's this other side to things as well, which is, you know, we, we just need to get the benefits out of this protocol and get on with the rest of our day. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay, well, that's a. I mean, it's good to hear what you're telling me. I think, if I understood you correctly, is that it's not just marketing hype. We're not just hyping this thing. It's actually <laughs> some some reality as what in your own experiences. That's right. Great to hear. Okay, so let's think about when you are planning new deployments. I guess from time to time, you'd be looking at uh, shifts in your own uh, requirements. Maybe you take on a new physical location that you've got to take care of. Uh, maybe walk us through a, a little bit of uh, what, what goes into a, uh, the planning and deployment uh, from a sort of planning and also from a, from a physical deployment perspective of the actual gear itself. Sure. 
Yeah, so, uh, so typically we're starting with uh, you know a physical look at the building, uh, whether that's in person or looking at maps of the site and saying, you know, what is the the Wi-Fi coverage we need? Where you know where do we need to place APs? Where's the high density areas that we need to look at something like uh, you know an MR52 or an MR55 now? And then same thing with cameras. Where do we need that coverage? Where are we going to physically place them? What are they going to look at? And then uh, how many switches do we need to support that? How many network closets right. are there? What's our connectivity between the closets? How many switches go in each place? And uh, you know, this is actually something that we do within the department. You know, so my team is taking care of this and we end up building maps that our Wi-Fi and camera installers can, can go do their work off of. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, so after we've placed an order, we've come up with, you know, the quantity of devices we need. Uh, we're getting them, we're getting them imported in the dashboard. And then we're typically using the, the bulk network creation tool, which is a really excellent tool and dashboard that makes it super easy to import and name and tag all the stuff you need to do, at, you know, to set up new devices. Just do it in a CF, CSV and upload it to, to dashboard. And then, uh, you know, configuring alerts and basic settings like time zone and update preferences on the network, uh, you know, getting all that ready to go in dashboard. So those devices are ready when they're physically installed. Mm -hmm. um, you know, once we're ready to actually physically install uh, with things like MR and MV, we typically will actually have uh, an outside company who's doing cabling for us. They'll also typically mount the devices for us. And okay. because of the way you know dashboard is structured with everything in one place, we can easily provide them access. They install the mobile app on their phones. We give them you know wireless access, or if the wireless isn't ready yet, they can use you know LTE on their devices, and they can go and actually you know run the cable, mount the camera, and then go right in dashboard and say, is this looking at what you know what CR wants it to look at? Or with APs, you know, let's go run the cable, mount the device, plug it into the network, and then go in dashboard and say is the AP on and working and there we go and that's that's incredibly powerful because you know we're not we're not giving these outside vendors access to all sorts of things we can limit it to the network they're working on we can make sure that you know they're not making changes they're just viewing the video or we can even let them say you know what yeah you can run autofocus or you can rotate a camera uh, and that's a huge time saver for us because we don't have to be involved during those deployments until they're at the very end where we need to confirm things and that's that's just great because we can keep working on other projects while that's happening. Wow! So basically, because of the centralized management, you don't even need to physically be there yourself. You can just have someone else take care of it for you. How does that work? Absolutely. For, I'm curious how that works for things like um, setting up the Wi-Fi with the channels, the power levels, all that stuff. How do you how do you manage that typically? So because of uh, you know auto RF built right into dashboard, uh, we we don't generally have to spend time you know setting manual channels or setting channel width, things like that. It's just handled in dashboard. So it's you know put all the APs in and then give dashboard a little time and and it will figure out you know what is, what are the best channels these APs should be on, what are the channel widths they should be running for five gigahertz and all that just gets taken care of. And you know so far you know we're fifteen hundred APs into this. And uh, I can't think of any that are actually manually overridden right now. So our auto RF has worked really well for us. Wow, that's that's so good to hear. Because and, and again, I you know I think I mentioned this earlier in the context of OSPF. For a lot of the network engineers, they they will be used to this concept of you know diving in deep and really you know getting into the the weeds on on the technology, the the different power levels and channels and uh, bandwidths yeah. and so on. Um, but but again, I think what you're telling me here is that it doesn't have to be that complicated, and that right. uh, you know, f you have found that the automated tools that we provide are, are actually doing a good enough job. Certainly, at least that. 
Yeah, and I, I definitely take the approach of, you know, let's put it in, let's let the auto tools do their thing. And then if we need to go back and make some adjustments, we can do that. But I, I think that's definitely a very different approach than how it perhaps was in the past where mm. it typically was, you know, we need to deploy this wireless and then we need to spend a couple of days tweaking everything and getting it all set. Uh, and, you know, the world of wireless today, it's just, it's not static anymore. You know, the, the wireless all around our buildings changes all the time. Yeah. It's, you know, way more crowded than it used to be. And it's, I don't want to spend time updating that all the time. You know, auto RF can do that for us. That's why it's there. That's why dashboard's there. I'll just let it do its thing. Right, right. And and so uh, application-wise, I'm also curious about that because uh, in my experience, um, talking to, to customers, training courses, that kind of thing, and, and, and trade shows, uh, I'm always hearing that that this is about the most challenging environment to have to look after is one with uh, students and kids in there who uh, have all kinds of applications <laughs> go doing who knows what on your network. You know, how on That's earth right. do you keep on top of that uh, to keep, you know, the, the, the applications that actually matter uh, running smoothly for you? Yeah, so, you know, I, I think we've had uh, pretty good luck with, uh, you know, on both MR devices and MS devices, just, you know, trusting QoS from our internal things like VoIP, you know, that we need to make sure is prioritized. And uh, from a, you know, from a sort of control perspective on, on the applications to make sure that uh, people are accessing what they should be and and what perhaps they shouldn't be is not being accessed. You know, we we utilize the new uh, Umbrella integration with uh, with MR devices. You know, we're a very happy Umbrella customer for our content filtering, which is really big and important in K12. And so that that integration, which is you know another example of a feature that did not exist just a couple of years ago and now came to us, you know, for free, fully integrated. Uh, you know, we we very happily use that, yep. and it uh, works great to you know make sure that people are staying on task with what they should be doing with the devices we're handing them. And and for those listening who uh, maybe haven't come across Umbrella, it's a technology that Cisco acquired uh, from a company that was known as OpenDNS, uh, not so very long ago. Now I think that's about a couple of years ago that uh, that acquisition at this point. But obviously they're huge in this industry and very well known already. I mean, um, you may well have even been using them before. I don't know, uh, CR. Yeah, we actually uh, we're certainly aware of them before, but we yep. uh, we switched we switched this past summer over, so it was uh, very nice to see the you know the Meraki integration there ready to go. Cool. So, what's the application that's giving you the biggest headache at the moment? The kids are using. Just curious what the, what the current mm. hotness is. Man, you know, I will say kids are very keen on getting around the web filter, so they're uh, they're always on the hunt for for new VPN apps. Uh, which is a bit of a whack-a-mole game with us. Yeah, and I sure. think uh, other K-12 IT people probably can uh, commiserate with me on that one. I have no doubt about that. I've definitely heard that one before. <laughs> All right, so we've talked a lot about the the networking side of things, but um, I also want to shift gear a little bit and talk about cameras. Uh, so you obviously, I mean, you're in a, a, an environment that really needs protecting on multiple levels in various different ways. Uh, so tell us about how you've provided physical security uh, in the school district um, up to this point. Yeah, uh, it's been it's been quite a mess. Uh, we had a, a very typical DVR-based system with analog cameras. So we had at least uh, 100 DVRs, which were sort of you know shoved in locations that were not suitable for network equipment so in all like the buildings. A, it's, that's a physical recorder of, um, of video feed, right? 
Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. And so, you know, these devices are oftentimes found in custodian closets, which are not places for network equipment to be located. But of course they were. And these devices are filled with, you know, hundreds of spinning disks, hundreds of hard drives, which, uh, of course, they just want to die all the time. Yes. Uh, just so, when you need them. Exactly. And, uh, you know, not to mention that the, the image quality on these was just, uh, it, it was pretty awful. So, you know, on the on their best day in uh, perfect lighting conditions, perfect focus, you know, our previous system would uh, really only let you know that perhaps a human was moving through the frame. Mm -hmm. uh, you couldn't necessarily tell who it was or exactly what they were doing. So oftentimes it would take our security officers, you know, perhaps a number of hours to get someone to identify a student from a snapshot that they would send out and uh you know that's sort of that's sort of the reality we lived in and are still living in today for some of our sites that we haven't moved over so uh sort of a you know grim place to come from <laughs> um, but you know that's, i think the, the future is bright that's an emotive word a grim place um yeah so what attracted you to the meraki cameras then uh, you know, honestly, it's uh, the simplicity of them. They are, uh, despite being a you know really powerful product, they are they're very simple. Uh, you know, no onboard storage, no more DVRs is huge. No special software required to view video. You just you just need a web browser and dashboard, uh, and you know just being built into dashboard that we were already familiar with. Mm -hmm. So that's that's been huge for us. You know, no more DVRs, no more spinning disks dying all the time. Uh, and now, you know, now if one camera goes down, it's just that camera. You know, we had a lot of issues in the past where a DVR would go down and then a whole wing oh, of, of, course, a, yeah. of a school. You know, you can't you can't see those cameras anymore. And that's we just don't have that issue anymore. The dreaded single point of failure. Exactly. Yeah. And, and so I, I think one of the interesting aspects with the cameras, it's a little different to the networking because often with the networking stuff, it's actually all uh, looked after and run day to day by people like yourself. But that's not true with cameras. Um, you yeah. often find, you know, got front desk security people uh, focused on the camera. So how do they get on with it uh, in your experience? Yeah, so that's, you know, that's a good point. And we've had uh, great success with that with our Safe Schools uh, department, who is, you know, responsible for the day-to-day -day, uh, viewing of footage. And I, you know, I personally have only spent uh, a few hours giving some training sessions to them. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, the reason we've been able to uh, generally just hand it right over to them with very little, uh, you know, handholding is that the UI and dashboard for viewing footage, exporting it, all that, it's it's just self-explanatory. So, right. so today, you know, as we finish another building, uh, I'll typically just send an email to the building administration with some links to documentation from the Meraki site and say, you know, hey, Here's how you look at the video walls. Here's how you search for motion events. You know, no more just wandering through hours of footage. And uh, then once you have what you need, here's how you export it or share it. Hmm. So I have to imagine that goes down pretty well. Has it made any difference to the sort of level of uh, event discovery or incidents that you've uh, you've been able to take care of? Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, what I very consistently hear from every building we move over to the MV platform is just how happy they are with the image quality, uh, you know, the ease of use, and because of those, how easy it is for them to find events that are happening. And that's, I think the MV team has worked really hard to make uh, the MV platform one where you don't need to just sit and watch footage. It's all about mm -hmm. search for the motion events, which you know, just a couple of weeks ago, we got a cool feature. They're right in the timeline. You just click the box and it goes right to it. That's huge. So, you know, talk about a time saver for everyone involved in security cameras, which is, you know, a ton of people for us. 
uh, that's that's been really huge. Yeah, and and I think recently they've been trying to think of these not just as a security camera, but really as a smart um, sensor in, in yeah. some ways as well. Uh, have you got any use cases where you can take advantage of some of that side of things? I know that's pretty new. So how does that? Yeah. Work so I, I think uh, today, you know, we certainly have uh, the the we have motion alerts set up in some areas where just you know in general there shouldn't be people. So cool new feature we just got there is it will only alert if a human is detected. So that's that's really cool. Mm -hmm. um, so I think. Uh, you know, we, we perhaps don't fit uh, what you typically see with those being used where it's like a retail environment tracking number of people. You know, we have a we have a pretty captive audience The you know, kids are there right, every day, right, staff right. are there every day. Uh, but uh, it's it's easy to see the future of this. And I think uh, as as time goes on, the MV team is, you know, I think, well aware of uh, use cases for K-12 with mm -hmm. these. And I I'm excited to see, you know, what they do next with that. Cool. So what what's next for the school district? What are you uh, what are you looking to tackle by way of new projects and things like that coming up? Yeah, so I think you know top of mind for me is is our MB transition. You know we're uh, past fifteen hundred cameras live today, and we still have about seven buildings left. So that's that's what I'm spending a lot of time doing. You know preparing those maps, getting ready for that. Uh, and then after that, I think uh, we're going to look at finishing our transition to MS switches, which I'm really excited for because mm -hmm. our our switching platform in uh, a lot of buildings is still one that is managed traditionally with CLI. You know, there is there is no cloud management or you know true GUI management to it. Uh, so I'm excited for that. And then uh, looking a bit further down the road, I think uh, Wi-Fi six. You know, that'll be big for us to transition to. So we're e eager to see how uh, E-rate funding goes in the next couple of years, which is you know really important to us. But uh, I think once we see what the future is of that, then uh, we'll be able to get moving on Wi-Fi six for every classroom. Right, and I guess you, you'll have enough confidence with uh, knowing you can do this easily. You've been through it several times already. Um, so simplification of that project that that sounds like it was something which uh you know you're going to be able to count on to some degree yeah absolutely i think you know we've learned a lot from the deployments we've already done and i think we've established a, a pretty good workflow with you know how we create the maps how we get those to our installers and then have the installers be able to do you know most of the work after that and then us be able to finish up everything remotely mm. so i think uh you know in general we're just going to keep doing what we're doing uh which is just you know it's working really well for us nice now, I can't let you go without uh, talking about um, our little friends, the Meraki Gnomes. I don't think we've ever covered those on the podcast before, but I understand you're a fan. Um, tell right. us about the, the what, what is this? What are these things? Yeah, so the Meraki Gnome, uh, I think, is uh, perhaps most well known to people who are uh, you know, sort of, uh, older Meraki customers at this point who've been around for a couple of years. Mm -hmm. uh, and, uh, you know, as new products are introduced, each product team generally will get a, a new gnome made. So, uh, you know, I, on my desk have, uh, let's see, I have, uh, the MS gnome, uh, standing atop his, his switch and then two of the MV gnomes. Uh, and then, uh, I'm on the lookout, you know, for the MR and <laughs> MX gnomes. So maybe if you can help me with that, Simon, that would be cool. We'll have to see what we can do there. And I, and I have no <laughs> doubt that uh, we'll, we'll find out just how many people are listening to this uh, episode based on the uh, the uptick in demand we see for these things. They are <laughs> highly coveted, though, aren't they? They're pretty limited edition. There are not that a huge right. number of these floating around out there. Yeah, you've got to be quick when the opportunity comes to get another gnome. You have, and I and I think one of the places where I've seen them uh, popping up as as prizes and and sort of opportunities to grab hold of one is in the community. Um, did where did yours come from? How did you get them? 
Yeah, so that's actually, uh, I think one or two of them did come from uh, community contests, definitely one of them with uh, MV. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's, yeah, the community is a great place to pay attention if uh, you're interested <laughs> in Rocky swag. Yeah, but there's always plenty of that flying around. <laughs> that's right. Awesome. Okay, well, CR, I'm, I really want to thank you so much for taking time out to talk to us today. I, I think it's incredibly uh, interesting for, for me and I'm sure the audience as well, uh, what you actually do with this technology in the real world. Uh, in your deployments. So I really appreciate you taking time out of the day um, to join us. Yeah, absolutely, Simon. Any any closing thoughts at all? Uh, No, I think, you know, this this has been an awesome conversation. I hope it's Hope it's helpful to people. Uh, you know, I am on the Meraki community. Uh, my uh, my username is Mr. Kerr, M-R-C-U-R. Uh, and, you know, if you have any questions about uh, any of the stuff we talked about today, I'm always always happy to chat. So uh, feel free to reach out to me there. Yeah, CR is actually famous. He's also on uh, one of our um, YouTube videos. Uh, so if you dig around uh, for the Reading School District, I think we have a case study, don't we, on our website? That's and, right. And yes. uh, you, you're featured in the video there. So. That, that is right. So if you want to see my face, put a face of the name and the voice. You we know, know you're real. On YouTube. Yep. There you go. There we go. All right. Thanks you so much again, CR. Really appreciate it uh, for joining us today. Um, okay. It's time to wrap things up. Thank you very much, everybody, for joining us on today's episode. It's been great fun um, talking to a real customer. This is the first time we've done this. And uh, it was a great conversation. Really enjoyed that. And I'd love to do more of them. So you know, if you are interested in talking about your deployments, uh, if there's particular areas of uh, of use of the technology that would be fun to dive into, reach out to us. Let us know what uh, what is happening with you and what you'd like to talk about. Uh, you can do that to me directly online. I'm on Twitter, at Meraki Simon. Very easy to find there. Alternatively, we talked about the community there. And so um, if you're interested in sort of sharing some of your thoughts, letting us know what you would like to have uh, covered on the podcast, or maybe you'd just like to get your hands on one of those coveted gnomes, that's the place to go, community.meraki.com. Once again, we run Meraki uh, Unboxed every couple of weeks or so. So stay tuned and please do subscribe through your favorite uh, podcasting medium, whatever that happens to be. And we can't wait to come back with more next time around. So have a great couple of weeks and we will see you again very soon. Bye-bye for now.